good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, and you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. It's the Catherine Zox Show that you can listen to every week live, Wednesdays 10 to 11, and at the end of the day, we archive the show. Um, as usual, I guess, or most of the time, I have two guests, and I have two guests this morning. Uh, my first guest is Paul Rosen. He's Acunatural Family Healthcare Director, and, and his new book is Be Healthy Now for Women. He's a radio host and author, and as I understand it, 20 years ago, he was also an attorney. I guess he still is an attorney. Uh, his book is, uh, his, I guess his book is really here to help women take control of their own health and their family's health, and he shows us how to do it in this little pocket-sized book that we can actually put in our pocketbooks, A Perfect Guide for Healthy Living. My second guest is futurist David Hool. David's new book is Entering the Shift Age. He was actually on my other show, The Social Workers, and uh, he was so good we decided to have him back. Uh, He says, we've left the information age and have entered the shift age, a world where the speed of change is so fast that change itself is the new norm. So we're going to find out what that's all about from futurist David Hool. But right now, I'm excited to have Director Paul Rosen, Director of the Acunatural Family Healthcare uh, Facility and author of Be Healthy Now for Women. Good morning, Paul. Nice to have you on this morning. Well, good morning, Catherine. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, I'll tell you, uh, as you and I talked about, I appreciate it, too, because I know you are uh, on the West Coast, and it's very early. And for me, it's like a great 10 o'clock in the morning, easy time to do a show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so, but uh, I always like books for women, about women, uh, especially when it comes to health care. And um, I think your book is uh, really one of those books that helps not only women in terms of the health care, but, at, you know, also, as you say, families, but covers a whole gamut of areas when we're talking about health care. So let's begin with um, uh, describing what the book is about and perhaps uh, why you decided to write this book specifically for women and health care and their families. Well, over the years, um, I've had the, the very good fortune to work with thousands of people. And uh, when I, when asked what caused them to reach out for personalized nutritional healing, which is essentially, you know, what my passion is. It's personalized nutritional healing. You, you've got, I mean, I don't, you know, countless other books out there that explain, um, you know, natural solutions and, and, you know, this thing and that thing. They're all generalized, you know, use ginkgo biloba for this and use, you know, coconut oil for that. And I mean, whatever the latest, uh, um, you know, sort of fad is. The problem is, as a, as a clinician, as a person like myself who has actually helped people get off of medications, believe that or not, um, you know, for, for all kinds of things uh, and, uh, you know, heart issues and uh, blood pressure issues and thyroid issues and migraines and anyway, all types of things, you learn that the power of nutrition is totally amazing. And personalized nutrition is the key. And they also said that, um, that they were tired of spending their hard-earned money on solutions that either worked only partially or didn't work. And there, but there are millions of folks out there who um, are, are not ready to commit to a full nutritional program, including working with a professional like myself. 
Yeah, let's talk about that because before, you know, before we actually get into the book, because people hear nutritional hearing. I know even, I mean, nutritional healing. And it's like, well, is that hokey? Is that really, you know, can you can you really heal yourself when it comes to uh, nutrition and foods you eat and making those kinds of choices? Because I think people are leery of that in the end and they go right back to West, Western medicine, you know, drugging themselves, medicating themselves. Um, so... There is kind of like a, 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 I don't know, an attitude towards nutritional healing that I think sometimes holds us back from maybe embracing that kind of treatment. Yeah, I think I think that that, that you're right, and and the reason for that is for her, uh, number one is the amazing um, you know pharmaceutical, Western medical, even governmental machine that simply spreads you know, mis- and disinformation uh, on, an, on an incredibly pervasive scale. I'm not, by the way, uh, you know, uh, um, advocating overthrow of any government or whatnot. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm suggesting is that because the, the message out there is so pervasive, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, the, the, the food pyramid. <laughs> I mean, if you eat like the food pyramid, then you are, gar- you are guaranteed to get whatever your, you know, God-given genetically predisposed disease is at some point in your life. What is the food pyramid now? I know they changed it. Yeah, now it's the food plate, but it's still, but it's still um, the message is still, you know, whole grains provides the, the foundation for your, uh, for your diet and then build on top of that, um, you know, some... Uh, you know, very, very low fat and uh, add, uh, uh, you know, a, a ton of fruit and then a few vegetables and, you know, very little meat and all that stuff. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's built on, it's built on nonsense and theory, not on practical application and results. When you're is a it practitioner based, like it, myself. Paul, is it based on nonsense and theory or is it based on, uh, uh, the economy and money, like these industries have some kind of a stake in us eating all those kinds of foods. It seems to me that's a part of it is. Oh, I, absolutely. I, yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, you know, to go into what it's all based on would take, yeah. well, it would take show. a couple of hours and, you know, we could do it and I'd love to do it at some point, but, um, but yeah, I mean, when, when you, when you mix, um, you know, capitalism and, and healthcare, healthcare always suffers. Always suffers. I mean, think about it this way. You have a huge uh, uh, group of companies out there selling children, um, you know, Count Chocula. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, it's actually sad, but it's devastating. And so, you know, right from the beginning, the message is, um, you know, eat sweets, eat, grains. I mean, it's just a, it's just browbeating. So that's one reason. And then the other reason is, is that, you know, but people come out there and they write these self-help books and they recommend that people just, you know, um, try this thing, try that thing, try something else. And it doesn't work. And so, you know, they're, they're, the, re- the results aren't there. And the reason I wrote this book, Be Healthy Now for Women, was number one, to, to, to bust myths and, and two, provide a wake-up call 
And all right, please, let's do that. Okay, let's do that. Let's all right. We'll bust, let's bust the myths because let's I bust think, the myths. Yeah. Let, yeah. Me, let me. And so three, it's an entry level guidebook that any any willing woman can put into action and expect to see improvement in their health from dietary, uh, you know, to lifestyle changes. Um, the information is patient tested and proven effective. That's the difference. If you go to my website, acunatural.com, acunatural.com, and you can, you know, you can, can enjoy uh, the, you know, what, what people are saying who actually take control. But being healthy now, what, what happened was is I felt that, that, like I said, not everyone was willing or even ready to really take full responsibility for their health. But they needed, they needed patient-tested information to start making what changes they can. And when they find that they start making those changes and either still have some symptoms or symptoms persist, then it's time to go seek out uh, a practitioner and then a practitioner of nutrition response testing, which I go into in great depth in my, my first book, which was The Great Health Heist. So, so let's, let, let's go into some, let's go into some uh, uh, myths. you know, some, some myths. Okay. okay. Yeah, let's I mean, take some example, of those myths. Concentrated yeah. sweeteners like sugar and its substitutes are harmless. <laughs> <laughs> right, just eat a little bit in moderation. And if you eat a little bit of concentrated sweetener, sugar, agave syrup, um, you know, high fructose corn syrup, uh, even when you're not well, honey or, or maple syrup, because, of course, you know, honey is, is uh, promoted as, you know, God's nectar and there's absolutely no harm in eating it, you know, at any point in time, which is not true. If you're a diabetic, for example, you have to eliminate all grains, all fruits, and all sugar from your diet for a period of time. And you can get control of it and completely change your health. I had a patient who um, was on 11 medications, uh, you know, blood pressure medications, cholesterol medications, uh, uh, diabetes medications, and... Uh, after seven months working with her, she was not only on no medications, I mean, none whatsoever. And, you know, she's, in fact, she was so excited about the work, she came to work for me. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, Paul, but the pharmaceutical companies are not going to like you. You don't want to get everybody off their medications, do we? Oh, absolutely, we do. And that's actually our, that's actually our goal. Our goal is to, to help people who, who, you know, who would prefer not to load themselves up with medications. Every single person out there probably has a family member or knows somebody who, you know, just starts with two medications and ends up with four and then six and then ten, and their life is completely a mess. There's no quality of life. Well, I think one of the things is with this aging population that I've noticed and being sort of in the sandwich generation in the middle between the young and the very old, that uh, this uh, it's a huge market for seniors, and I'm talking about senior seniors for taking all of these medications, whether in nursing homes or not necessarily in nursing homes, and you see these seniors on 10, 15 medications that are all don't work well with one another that have all kinds of side effects. I think it's a huge population that we're taking advantage of right now who could Oh, it's a great business model. Yeah, what could benefit right? from your Yeah, oh, absolutely. They're giving statins to people who are, are over 85 uh or I mean I can name you 
Now, you know, several cases, several examples of that where it causes, you know, people to have a memory loss. And I mean, it goes on and on. But anyway, so uh, I, I well, agree if, with you, you. If, you, if you talk about statins, if you want to know if you want to know something that's really vicious, there is in the works. The pharmaceutical companies are actually contemplating and they may have put put it together already, you know, a, a um, sugarized little uh, you know, vitamin supplement that contains statin in it for for children. I mean, that's almost criminal. It's it, it it's not almost me. criminal. It yeah. is criminal, which is why myself and all of my colleagues across the country are trying so hard to wake people up and get them tuned into the power of nutritional healing. But and how it, are you and, going and to do right, that? That's it's, so it's important. It's an uphill battle, Catherine, for sure, yeah. because of the mis- and disinformation. But one person at a time, right? Right. One, one person, person at a time. At a time. And this book, this book is designed to help one person at a time. For those people who are really willing and want to start to take control, you know, of their health. But what do you do, Paul? Okay, take control of your health, eat healthy foods, be cognizant of nutrition, nutritional healing programs. This is what your area of expertise is. Yet, on you know, once a week, twice a week, we go to the grocery store, you go into this huge supermarket, and what are you confronted with? Probably three-quarters of the stuff in there is not good for you. And it's garbage. It's garbage, which is why I actually provide a shopping list in the book. Let's talk about that shopping list. What's on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I provide an actual shopping list with real-world uh, recommendations um, and, and uh, also, you know, uh, provide, um, I mean, I, I answer, for example, what it feels like on page 22, what it feels like to eat correctly. And on page 17 in the book, how to tell whether you're consuming enough water. There's, there, there's a great myth for you. Eight glasses of water a day. Where does that come from? I don't know. Where does it come from? Yeah. I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> no, but you'll sit down at a, a dinner party and people will talk about, do you eat, drink your eight glasses of water a day? And, and I never really thought about, well, who says we have to drink eight glasses of water a day? Yeah. Uh, so myth, kind of, myth, myth, myth. But I yeah. actually describe a way that you personally can tell whether you're hydrated enough. Uh, on page 15, you know, what's the safest cookware to cook your foods in? These are all real-world decisions. I mean, the other thing is why your cosmetics may be killing you and what to do about it on page 55. The, yeah, there are, yeah. a, there, There's a ton of stuff going out there, and, and these are the changes. These are the things that I have put in this book to help women begin to understand how they are killing themselves one bite, one application at a time. Yeah, you're very specific. The book is very, very focused. I mean, and very, you know, I, I guess it's, uh, what, very objective? I mean, they're very specific things that we can do. Let's, you know, you just, you kind of brushed over this one, but <clears throat> cosmetics, because most women I know use cosmetics, some more than others. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, okay, so what are the safe cosmetic products and what ones are not safe and what can, are the alternatives? 
Well, the, the, the organization that does a wonderful job at uh, ewg.org, O-R-G, that, that website is a website you can go to to actually find out what cosmetics are the most poisonous or contain the most, uh, you know, adverse um, ingredients versus the ones that don't. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a huge, in general, in general, the European cosmetics tend to be you know, uh, the more safe because there's their, their requirements are more stringent. And I would have myth number, whatever would have thought that the, uh, our, uh, requirements, uh, would be more stringent, but you're saying no. that's no, no, that's. And, and it's, the same goes, the same is true for the food supply, Catherine. I mean, here in the United States, people don't understand that, if you're if you're eating soy or corn, that you're eating upwards of uh, 70, 70 to ninety percent possibility of eating genetically modified foods. Now I know what Monsanto says. I know what their scientists say. But there was a study that just uh, became public here in the United States. It was a European study. Uh, I actually uh, Facebooked it on my my Facebook. Paul uh, Paul Rosen and also Natural, And it revealed the horrors of uh, rats eating genetically modified food. They, they, uh, uh, many of them died. They developed horrendous, you know, cancerous tumors, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, then you'll have the, you'll have the, you know, Monsanto come out with all of their, you know, henchmen and say, you know, and try to debunk this study in some way or other, like they have tried to debunk other studies. Right. It's perfectly healthy. We haven't seen any problems. Let me ask you. Let me ask you. Do you really yes. think that Roundup is healthy? Roundup? Yeah. The insecticide that they use, that, 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 you know, resi- that, that people in general use to kill the weeds around, around their house, do you think that some chemical... But no, but, you know, that, you asked the right person. You asked that you are a good radio host <laughs> because <laughs> I, I don't know specifically what Roundup is, but I've ha- owned a home for, I'm not going to tell you how many years, but over 25 at least. <laughs> and I, I have the worst lawn in the neighborhood. I live in a really nice neighborhood, and, and my lawn is, like, doesn't look... I mean, I have it uh, mowed every week, but I uh, don't have use weed killer. Or any of that stuff. Uh, I had three boys who grew up on, you know, all on the lawn and you know, playing on the lawn, and I decided I'm not getting that stuff. And there was a lot of pressure to get weed killer and keep your lawn really green. So the answer to your question is, I, not knowing what Roundup is or any of the other stuff, no, I've never used that. I've never had, and so I have a very bad looking lawn, but I have healthy kids. <laughs> well, well think, of it, think of it this way. Monsanto and their inimitable and their inimitable drive to to take over the world with respect to the you know food supply provides farmers with with seeds that have within them the genetic tools to actually um, uh, resist insects because you know Roundup and and also to withstand the effects of Roundup. In other words. Roundup that would kill your normal weed in your driveway or on your lawn doesn't do that with respect to the food that they're growing, the soy and the corn 
and other products. Resists that, doesn't die, right? Mm-hmm. Are you getting my point? Well, it also k- kills the lawn and it kills you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how could, how could it not? How could, just, just from the logical standpoint, this is how good their, their um, you know, their uh, missing disinformation machine is. And yet, the, our own government, the FDA and the USDA and all of these organizations that are actually meant to, 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 to support and, you know, protect the population from harm, you know, has allowed companies like Monsanto, and there are others, to literally spread genetically modified fruit across the entire United States, which, by the way, has proven to spread on its own from field to field, including the organic fields. If your organic farm happens to be next to a, uh, you know, a uh, commercial farm and they're using genetically modified product, that will spread into your own field. So, so other, this actually, organic stuff, yeah, organic, we don't know where the organic comes from either, but we're kind of, we, we buy into, oh, I, got, I get all my stuff is organic, my fruit, my vegetables, but, so you're saying it could be beside one of these other fields and it's contaminated and so it doesn't it really could. make any difference. It could, and so but, that's why I always, that's why I promote local and, but, you know, I local farming to, and, and the farmers and the farmers markets and so forth. And you get to know where your food supply comes from. Because you think you're doing everything right, or you're trying to do everything right, and in fact, it's you know it's it's a uh, uh, the field is strewn with landmines, and you got to be able to step around them. Well, here's this another landmine. I want to mention another landmine. Uh, I my uh, boyfriend uh, is a former farmer, actually in the agribusiness, and uh, one of the things that he says, which is he said, people also this is maybe part of what another landmine that you, you're talking about is that even if you buy locally and you buy an organic, say you buy locally and it's a, a local farm organic, if you keep buying from the same, say, local organic farm, let's say you don't know whether the farm has been, say, infected with, I'm saying, acid rain, whatever it is, and if you keep buying from the same one over and over again, that too is a problem because you're going to be affected or infected with, with whatever is going on, and it might not be so good within that organic farm, and it's really better to make sure that you buy from a lot of different farms. Don't keep buying from, don't keep getting your your food from the same source all the time, even if it is organic? Well, I mean, I, I don't know that that's a... I mean, I, I personally haven't seen that myself, and I haven't seen that in my own clinic. So I, I you know, I mean, that's a point of view. I, I actually haven't seen, uh, you, know, um, you know, affect anybody at this point. But, but buying local and knowing your farmer and knowing where it comes from gives you a lot more information. And, of course, at the end of the day, um, you know, there's no 100% safety solution. There are, there are, there are some risks of things. Uh, but, you know, when you've done what I've done, for example, you know, symptom conditions, you know, your, your uh, listening audience may want to know, you know, uh, what the true cause for the solution for sugar cravings are or the reason why they can't lose weight and maintain that weight loss or lose weight and actually maintain their health. Or an even larger topic is, 
why your thyroid isn't working properly despite blood tests showing normal hormone levels and what to do about it. And you'll know that it's not working. Proof of that is because uh, that you're suffering from migraines, constipation. Get all this down, Catherine. Write it down. I'm writing it down. IBS, (laughs) dry skin, brittle nails, hair loss, TMS, insomnia, irritability, or blue moods, and the list actually goes on. All of those are related to an improperly functioning thyroid. Now, that's news for lots and lots of people. And, And in Be Healthy Now for Women, you know, I talk about that and talk about how to deal with it. It, it, it's huge, and, and people simply don't know. Yeah, well, they don't relate all of those, I guess, uh, chronic illnesses, chronic diseases, not feeling well to the food we eat. We, we just don't relate it back for, to our nutritional habits. But how do you get over it? I, I want to get back to this thing about, you know, you can give people all this information, the prop, you know, and yet they still continue with their bad habits because you have to first change their attitudes. I mean, don't we live in a society, Paul, where we want a quick fix? We want our lawns to look green no matter what. And we, so we kind of gloss over the fact we may be putting poisonous chemicals on the lawn, which will affect us. We want a quick fix in the grocery store. We want a quick fix when we go out for dinner. So it's all that quick, even with makeup, you know, yes, I'd like to buy makeup that is better for, you know, that isn't going to cause some health problems, but yet I go to the drugstore and it's there. So whatever is on the shelf, I'm going to buy it because I need it now and I need it quickly. And so that whole don't we have to somehow change attitudes? Because I think even sometimes when we have the information and we, we know in our gut that, hey, that feels right, Paul's, you know, like your book, what you're telling us, that makes sense. But then we go out and do the same stuff, the bad habits. That you, How do we overcome that? <laughs> um, I, you know, the, 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 the short answer is uh, life will help you overcome that. Life or because, rice? Because, yeah, what, what I mean is, is that Everybody, uh, most everybody has their breaking point. And, and, you know, when you're doing what you're doing, um, I mean, say you cross the street every day of your life and you only look in one direction. You just look to the right. That's what you've decided to do. And, and you get away with it. One day you cross the street and you're run over by a bus and you go, well, what the heck happened? And then it kind of wakes you up and you start to figure out, well, gee, you know, maybe I should look both ways. In other words, life presents you with the challenge. And that's how people wake up. They wake up one at a time. That's how I woke up. I mean, you know, I'm doing all this because my health went south in a big way. I almost, you know, died some 19, 20 years ago and nobody could figure it out. And it was nutrition and nutrition response testing giving me my own personalized uh, program and, and identifying not just what I should eat, but the, the way in which the toxic environment was affecting me. What that, did you almost you die know, of? I mean, I, you have to, two things. What did you almost die of? And also, do we have to almost die or get hit by a bus before we'll do something? Uh, I mean, hopefully well, we can... Well, the first thing is, is what, I, what I almost died of was... The, um, nutritional deficiencies and the effects of the toxic environment on my, on my own thyroid, for example. And, and the answer to the second question is, for most people, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, you know, it, it's, it's many, many, many years ago when I was in college, I wanted to change the world. And, you know, this was during the Vietnam War era. And we marched and we sang songs and we made speeches and we, you know, did all sorts of things. And, and, you know, along the way, I realized that the only person I was going to change was myself. And when I changed myself and saw the power of that, that was amazing. That is amazing. And, you know, you were just talking about that in the end of your last show, right? You got to yes. take control. You got to change yourself. Yes. But you can get this book because I know we're running out of time. Um, you can get this book on Amazon. Don't look at the. This is not available yet because it is available. So Amazon.com, or you can contact me at Acunatural Acunatural.com, and uh, they can get the book or any information they like. And if they call, uh, you know, within the next, well, I should say, if they call today. Uh, I would be happy to give people a free report, um, you know, on the uh, on uh, sugar and the many functional illnesses that are associated with consuming it. I want to get people fired up about this. Yeah, well, that's the goal, absolutely. Uh, so I just I want to hear the end of your story quickly. Just so you had to, you didn't get hit by a bus, fortunately, but you no, were really I didn't get sick. hit by a bus, but I might as well have. Um, about uh, 19, 20 years ago, I was uh, in an airport. Um, in, in Idaho coming back from a, a fly fishing trip and my, I was sitting on the bench waiting for the airplane and my heart went out of rhythm. And I knew that because it felt like, you know, bubbles in my chest and I was also kind of lightheaded. So I lay down on the floor and the next thing I knew, I had some EMT people looking over me and, you know, they wheeled me out of the airport, brought me to the hospital, and did all of the Western medical tests, heart tests, and whatnot, and found nothing wrong. They invited me to stay in the hospital, and I declined and was able to get back to the airport, get on a plane, come home. And by the time I got home, I was so exhausted that my wife literally had to, um, you know, shoulder me into, into a bed. And from that moment on, I experienced what I called Mr. Toad's wild ride. Uh, I had some humor when I got over it, but that's what I called it. And I had symptoms like heart irregularities. Um, another awful symptom I was, um, uh, felt like I was suffocating 24 seven, no matter how deeply I breathed, it felt like I wasn't getting enough air, all kinds of digestive disturbances, um, and, of course, this deep, deep fatigue. And I went on a journey to try to find out what was going on. And I had all kinds of blood work, and I had osteopaths and, and allopaths, that's, uh, regular medical doctors and chiropractors, and, of course, people like myself, acupuncturists and herbalists, and on and on. And I couldn't find out what the story was until I met a man by the name of Dr. Freddie Ulan, who was doing this nutrition response testing stuff. I know the story goes on, but uh, 
we have to say goodbye because my next guest is waiting. But I, uh, Paul, I want to mention, you mentioned the book, but uh, Be Healthy Now for Women. And also, again, the website, acunatural.com. Guests can go there, uh, listeners can go there as well. But uh, great story. And um, I think it's turning out well. You are making a difference. Um, thanks so much for being on the show. You're totally welcome. And thank you so much for having me. Great to have you. We got to, we'll got we say goodbye, and I, we'll be back in a few minutes because my next guest is here, futurist David Houle, author of The Shift Age, and uh, we are now entering this shift age. We've gone from the age of information to the shift age. We're going to find out what that's all about. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. Surprise you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can listen to the show live every Wednesdays from 10 to 11. That's Eastern time. But at the end of the day, we archive the show so you can listen to it anytime. My next guest is here with me. Uh, he's been on one of my other shows, Futurist David Hool. He is the author of The Shift Age, and we are entering the shift age. I'm not sure how many of you know what the shift age is. We've left the information age, says David Hool, and have entered the shift age, a world where the speed of change is so fast that change itself is the new norm. So, David, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on again. It's my pleasure to be with you, Catherine. Thank you. Yeah, well, you've got such a, I mean, your topic, it's just a wild topic. I've been, uh, it's a great dinner conversation, too, by the way, I have to tell you, over the holidays. But anyway, uh, David, okay, you're a futurist. Uh, Not everybody knows what a futurist is or what is the shift age. What are we talking about? I think we have to define some of that stuff for our listeners first. Sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, I define what I do as being a catalyst to get people, the market, and the world to think about the future and then to facilitate a conversation about it. So what I try to do in my writings and my speaking all over the world is to lift people out of their present self-absorbed context and show them what the future may look like and some of the forces and trends that will affect their lives. So that's what I do as a futurist. And as for the shift age question, um, 
you know, anybody who uh, is listening to this show who's read Alvin, Alvin Toffler and knows history knows that there was the agricultural age and the industrial age, and then in the 70s we came into the information age. And uh, I've been writing, as you said, my Shift Age book came out five years ago um, on the fact that we've left the information age and entered the Shift Age. In fact, back in 2007, I said that we would enter a very disruptive five-year reorganizational recession between the two ages. That's what always happens between two ages. <clears throat> so I gave it the name the Shift Age because everything, and if your listeners just reflect in their lives, uh, almost everything in your lives is undergoing some rate uh, or type of shift. Now, I, whenever there is an age, there are certain dynamics that define that age or the dominant characteristics. And in the shift age, I identified in that first book the three forces of the shift age. Uh, and those forces are very simply uh, the flow to global. We're getting organized around a global construct. And that goes beyond economics, not just a global economy. We are literally entering the global stage of human evolution, socially, culturally, and in all ways. So the flow to global. The second force is the flow to the individual. You and I and everybody listening has is, is is experienced an explosion of choice over the last few decades. And what that means is that the power has moved from the producer to the consumer, from the institution to the individual. I mean, when I was a young boy growing up, I had five TV stations that I could watch, and I had to watch what they wanted to serve me up, when they wanted to serve me up. Now there's an infinite number of variety of things I can watch at any point in time, so I have the power. So individuals today are more powerful than they've ever been before. And the third and final force, which amplifies the first two, is the incredible accelerating connect electronic connectedness of the planet. And the simple fact to drive that home to everybody is that there's a little more than 7 billion of us on this planet. 5.6 billion of us have cell phones. More people have cell phones than in-home electricity on this planet, which means there is no time, distance, or place any longer limiting human communication. That couldn't be said five years ago, let alone 25 years ago, 100 years ago. So we are in a whole new connected era. So the globalization, the power of the individual, and the accelerated connectedness of the planet. All right, David, so let's take each one of those and see specifically sure. how it affects us, because people are listening, okay, I understand that, but now what about me? How does that affect my life, my family, the way I'm going to be conducting myself for the next 10, 20, 50 years? Like the flow to global, as you say, it's not just a global economy, which we hear about every day, but you're saying it's, a, it's social, it's cultural. What let's talk about those that impact and what it does or how it affects each one of us and our families. Sure. Well, first of all, you have to understand this connectivity, you know, amplifies that global. So first, there was the global economy, which began at the end of the Cold War, you know, some twenty odd years ago, and and now that we're integrated economics, and economics is usually the initial driver of human endeavor. Then we have this connectedness, so that. Um, you know, like the video, Gangnam Style, right? Now, if that was 30 years ago, it would have just played, it would have been a music video, but it would have just played in Korea. No one else would have heard it. But because we're connected, that is an example of how a single South Korean man can use video to 
affect the culture of the entire planet and to do so quickly. So, so that, that's an example uh, of, of how connected we are. Um, I gave a speech at a TEDx conference last month on 12-12-12 where I basically said the concept of place has changed forever. And the example I use, even if you think about history, you know, the Roman Empire, 50 B.C. to 476 A.D., you know, the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Well, at the same time, there were great dynasties in China, and there was the Mayan civilization in Central America. But because there was no connectivity, these, these societies existed separately and didn't know each other existed. Compare that with today, where what happens around the world we know about in minutes. So... So it's just uh, it's bringing us ever closer together, much more integrated socially, culturally, politically, economically, uh, uh, financially. Uh, so, so that's what that. Uh, and, and Dave, is another example of that would be like the Arab Spring or all these political things that happen around the world. We can have, I mean, we can affect what's happening in terms, you know, like for whether it's the, I mean, in Egypt, for instance. Uh, uh, because we, you know, we we see what's happening in real time. Is that what you're saying? And then, so we have the power to 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 influence what's happening politically around the world immediately. Well, ironically, you mentioned Arab Spring. Uh, you know, I'm very optimistic, as I think you sense about the future. And back in 2008, you know, in the you know the depths of the darkness of Lehman Brothers, we hadn't caught Osama bin Laden yet. Um, you know, people ask me, you know, why are you so optimistic? And I said, because of the accelerated connectedness of the planet, because basically that will eliminate ignorance. I mean, I can't personally decide to choose to be ignorant. And if you think of dictatorships and you think of religious sects, part of their control mechanism is to keep information out. So, so I was saying back in 2008, 2009, that within three to five years, there would be upheaval in most dictatorships and in most Arab, autocratic Arab states around the world because of the accelerated connectedness of the planet. Now, I didn't know to call it Arab Spring. I didn't know what happened in the spring. But since then, I've been pointing out to audiences around the world in my writings that the two common denominators of every single country that went through that Arab Spring upheaval, one, the accelerated connectedness of the planet, right? Facebook and Twitter were tools of revolution. And second of all, the population of each of those countries, 45 to 55 percent of the population was under the age of 25. So you took, you take millennials and digital natives, young people, and accelerated connectedness, and you've got Arab Spring. Great, yeah, that's a that's a I guess ideal example of what you're been, are talking about the flow to the global. All right, let's, we we uh, I want to get on so we can do the next two uh, categories sure. too. Now the the individual, the flow to or the shift or whatever to the individual. Now in this the shift age, the individual has the power, uh, which is very different than the way it has in the, been in the past. Uh, governments had the power. Uh, I don't know. Big somebody else had the power, but we didn't, as individuals, have the power in the same way that we do now. Right. Let's talk. Yeah. Oh, you know, let me give you an example. Now, you know, I have a background in media. I helped create and launch such channels as MTV and Nickelodeon and CNN, and so I use that as an example. Um, you know, back in the fifties, I grew up, you know, as a young boy in Chicago. So it was a big city. There were five channels, but every single time I wanted to change the channel, and a lot of your viewers under the age of forty probably think this sounds prehistoric, but I had to get up, leave the couch, cross it over to the living room, 
changed the channel, adjusted the rabbit ears, and go back and sat down. So in other words, the people programming that appliance that served up three to five programs at any one time controlled the entire physical activity in the living room and made me do all the work. Now I do what every single person listening to my voice right now does. I just sit on the couch and with my thumb kind of go, nope, 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 nope. Oh, you know, I want to watch that, but I don't want to watch it now. So I'm going to record it on my DVR and watch it when I want to watch it. And by the way, I'm going to fast forward through all those commercials. So it went from the appliance controlling all the activity in the room to me controlling that entire universe with my thumb. So I have the power. I mean, that, that's kind of a very simple example, but it makes a point. Yeah, it does make the point. They were they controlling your time also. Uh, you have the power, but you can also, it, it controls where, maybe this gets into the next one, I don't know. It controls having to sit watching a television in one particular place, space, controls where you are as well. You can only get that information in one place. Now we can get that information. I can be in anywhere in the world as well, and, and so can you. So there's really no concept, and I think you do talk about this, of like, where are you right now? It doesn't really matter where you are. You well, can, I think I read in one of your things, and I thought this is so true. I mean, you can run a corporation on the beach in India if you want to. You don't have to be in, in, on Wall Street. Um, that changes everything. Well, that, that, that raises a couple of points. In, in my new book, Entering the Shift Age, which is just, it's out in ebook now and out next week in print, and in the shift age, I talk about the five contexts of the shift age, and one of them is what you just said. The concept of place has changed forever. In other words, until recently, until the cellular revolution, any such media, you had to be in a place, right? You had to be in your house to watch TV. You had to be in your house or in a you know, a car usually to watch radio. You had to go to a telegraph office. You had to go to the post office. And now you just take your tablet, and wherever you are, you can get whatever you want from wherever at any point in time. So there's total mobility. Um, and that's really profound. And I think that the, uh, the other thing that you touched on, I use this phrase, and it's a 60s phrase, but I don't mean it that way, the power to the people. So your example of the CEO and the beach, you know, I, I say to people, we get seduced by technology. How many gigahertz, how many pixels, how many, you know, what's the resolution of the screen? And I always say to people, and particularly CEOs and people who run companies, don't look at the technology. Look what's behind the technology. In other words, when something like the iPad came out, I said to people, this will change behavior. In other words, what is it that this new technology will do to empower yourself? empower your customers, empower your competition. So look behind it. So what you just say, you know, if you've got a, one or two good app phones with good, uh, you know, receptivity, you can be a global CEO and run your company for a day from a park bench. I mean, that's just incredible. That, that's why, and, and also the other thing to say from a media point of view, it used to be 50 years ago that the only people that created media were media companies. And then the early part of this century, all companies started becoming media companies. You know, I started a blog seven years ago, so I became a media company. Now every individual is a media company. Anybody can post on YouTube. Anybody can post a blog. Anybody can be on Twitter. So we've gone from media companies controlling media to companies doing media to each and every individual being their own media company. 
Yeah, those are great examples. And I'm going to give just a, maybe it's more mundane, but in, just in terms of families, I, I had two incidences happen. Uh, one of my sons was here with his girlfriend where I was somewhere else on vacation and he left a cord to one of his computers here. And he called me up and said, I think I left it uh, on the kitchen table and I go look and I'm trying to d- describe what it looks like. And finally he said, why don't just go on FaceTime, show it to me. I mean, get your, you know, and so I show him the cord. <laughs> it wasn't the right. one I mean, that's just such a simple thing, and it maybe, but it was kind of like, yeah, wow, you know, and my 80, my, she'll, I can't say her age, but my elderly mother calls me up, and she's asking me about some kind of a, a couch, a new couch I'm buying for the den. I said, wait a minute, I'll Skype you. I showed it to her. I, you know, I showed her the, the, the couch. I showed her the fabric. I mean, this is just everyday stuff, but it changes your life. I mean, it really transforms the, your relationships. Yeah. And, and it does, you know, and we're talking about these individual examples, but yeah. in a macro way, in my new book, I talk about the fact that the shift age is going to be the greatest age of mass migration in human history, but it's going to redefine migration. In other words, we've always historically defined migration like, oh, we're going to leave the old com- country and go to the new country, and that's where we'll spend our lives, so we have first or second generation Italian-American, stuff like that. Uh, we're going to have mass migration where people will go work in China for a year, and then they'll go work in India for two years, and then maybe come go to the States. And the reason they can is because of this connectivity. I mean, I, I went on a five-week speaking tour last year of Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore, and I could, I could Skype with my wife. So I could stay. I could see her. I could interact with her. Honey, how was your day? I mean, I may be calling her at three in the morning my time, but nevertheless, I could do that. So now that this connectivity will allow us to detach from place relative to where we live or where we have to be to work. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I mean, you and I are extreme examples of that. You could host this radio show from anywhere with the right technology, and I can speak anywhere in the world and have it beamed by satellite anywhere else in the world. So uh, it's really, it, it, so these, these individual empowerment technologies will really redefine and reshape how we live, where we live, and what we do. Yeah. And one other example of that, sort of to add on to what you're saying, you're in another country and you can be there with your wife, you, you know, Skyping one another. I was at a, uh, an engagement party where the mother was in Israel and couldn't attend. So they had her, uh, you know, they were Skyping her and the iPad was up on the mantelpiece it's, <laughs> and she was there and she was talking to everybody and she was part of it. She was in Israel and the party was in New York. Yeah, I, I, uh, I used to, more than I do now, speak to a lot of small groups of CEOs. And there was one example, uh, I think it was 2011, you know, so the iPad had gotten some penetration of the market. And one of the group's members had moved away, you know. So they came in to, rather than, you know, they were 100 miles away, and every other meeting they would come in. And one of the meetings where I was there to speak, uh, they just dialed her up, and they put, they put, you know, the iPad at the end of the table and put her on FaceTime. She could see me do my presentation, and we all could see her, and she could interact, you know. Just think about that. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's very powerful. It's very powerful, and I think also, you know, and, and what, what, what's going to happen, like, with, we didn't talk about health care. I, I guess we have sure. a few more. I know I'm changing the subject, but I wanted to get that in, too, because, I mean, this whole shift age has a, a real impact Absolutely. on the kind of, yeah. So can we kind of... So, 
So, so yeah, so uh, the backstory there for me was that, again, back in 2008, are we going to remain a great country? And I said, if we don't better educate our young, if we don't become healthier as a citizenry, and we don't completely rebuild the communications, transportation, and energy infrastructure of this country, doesn't matter what else we do. So I wrote a book on education. And then, you know, there was so much heat around health care. I got together with a friend of mine who is a preeminent healthcare attorney, and we wrote a book a year ago called The New Health Age. And that's what we have entered. We have entered a new health age. And basically, uh, to put it in, you know, the, the American perspective, you know, Obamacare and healthcare reform, the way I, you know, I try to simplify this because the reason I wrote the book is that the conversation around healthcare is driven by misinformation, uh, fear, and manipulated by politicians. And any such conversation is a stupid conversation. So I tried to write the Book of Intelligence about it, and, you know, I was a bestseller on Amazon for a number of weeks. And But, in, you know, I simplify it in my new book uh, by saying that we're going to move from health care to health management. And the way I make people think about it, because they're all scared, everybody's scared because we've been manipulated by this, you know, if healthcare is rounding up 20% of our GDP, I mean, it's basically 17%, but if you round it up to 20, all the stuff that you and I have been talking about for the last 10, 15 minutes, you know, connectivity, transparency, electronic records, connectivity, all of that stuff that we expect in the 80% of the GDP is now just coming to the 20% of healthcare. I, I gave a speech to about 500 people in Dallas last year, mostly HR people, and I said to them, Raise your hand if you've ever gone online to do research, price-related research, before you make a major purchase, like a car, a flat-screen TV. And 100% of the hands went up, right? I said, raise your hand if you've ever gone online to do price-competitive research about a major procedure or, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, an implant. No hands went up. And I said, see? Just think of it that way. The connectivity and transparency you, you come to expect and demand in the rest of our GDP is just coming to health care. I mean, it wasn't until the end of last year, 2012, that we crossed 30% of all of medical records in the United States being electronic. I mean, think about that. You go into a branch bank where they know you, and they go, Hey, Catherine, how are you doing? Uh, what can I do for you today? Well, I'd like to do this, and it's fine. You go into the, uh, a branch of the same bank across town if they only had paper records. And you would say, oh, I think they say, we don't know you. Here's a clipboard. Fill out some information, right? You kind of go, what, are you nuts? But we do it every day when we go into our doctor's office, don't we? Yes, we do, and uh, and and, uh, and there's still a lot of resistance to electronic health records, for instance. Or, uh, I mean, I've worked in hospitals. It's 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 amazing. There's a to be able to go through that shift. I don't know why exactly, but there has to be some kind of. I mean, there is an attitude change, but people don't want to do that. It's like you say, yeah. I mean, I don't want my uh, all of my uh, financial records handwritten. Why would I want my <laughs> Healthcare right. records. Right. Well, but yeah. and you know, so people say, "Well, I want my privacy." Well, but you, yeah. you bank online. That's you know, your health, your your sexual orientation, and your money are the three things most people are kind of secretive about, right? And yeah. yet, and yet, you will go online in a dating service. You'll have your in financial records. I mean, if I'm lying unconscious after an accident, I want somebody. I want the doctor's going to treat me to be able to call up my electronic record and find out I'm allergic to this and not allergic to that rather than inadvertently kill me because I have some outdated sense of privacy. I mean, there really is no privacy anymore. 
Yeah, I think we have to accept that. I think that, that maybe if we accept that premise and, and not just the other stuff is kind of made up that we, we, we can keep our information private because we can't. So let's go from there and how, how are we going to utilize yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that the futures are trying to tell people is that we always look at the new thing and think fearfully of it. Um, I did some research here once I realized that newspapers were digitized. I went back to 1910, okay? This is when uh, the landline was getting market penetration in the United States. And the two reasons people didn't want a landline telephone was, one, invasion of privacy, and two, information overload. Right? And now we think of that, well, that's just ridiculous. But at the time, a phone coming into my home, the privacy of my home, that's invasion of privacy and information overload. So wherever we are, the new technology, the new thing threatens the way our, our existing definitions. Yeah, you know, exactly. So- we have, and we have to say, it's always so fascinating to talk to you. I think the definition for that, I meant in sociology 101, was cultural lag. We still suffer from that. We have to... Uh, or the definition of what you're talking about and not accepting new kinds of technology or new things. Um, Dave, have to have you on the show again. Love talking to you. Mention your website once again and, and the book, uh, Shift Age, yeah. Yeah, so, so, well, the new book is Entering the Shift Age. Entering, yeah. Up to Entering the Shift Age. It's available now on Amazon. It's available at barnesandnoble.com. And my name is David Houle, H-O-U-L-E. So the easiest way... To find out anything about me or find out about the book or anything, it's just go to davidhool.com. So it's D-A-V-I-D-H-O-U-L-E.com. And uh, I thank you for having me. I really enjoy our conversation. I Anytime do, too. you want to have me back, I'd be delighted. Great. Thanks, David. Um, I'm, we're going to say goodbye. You've been listening to the Catherine, Catherine Zock Show. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, you've been listening to the Catherine Zock Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Have a good week, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Catherine Zock Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.